So one of, this is a, a part of a, a series called Kingdom Dream Tra Chasers. And today we want to um, talk about uh, our life in your church and our blueprint from heaven. Oh, okay. So um, my cousin um, is an architect in London. Okay, and she has designed some really wonderful um, spaces. One even found its way onto uh, George Clark's amazing spaces, and we all tuned in, the whole family, waiting to see uh, what was, what was going to be shown. We're so proud of her. And she also designed part of the uh, London Crossrail around Paddington. She was involved with that, and she was involved in the changes to London Bridge Station that just received really fantastic awards because... It was such good work. And it got me thinking about London railway stations, like you do, in a spare moment. And I wondered if, like you, you've been to St Pancras Station ever. You know, you pull into this really grand, beautiful, spectacular station. And you think about the team of architects way, way back in history that designed St Pancras Station. You just look at different parts of it and you think... You know, and, the, and the builders and the engineers that took those plans, those blueprints, and created what the architects had envisioned. And uh, here's an image from 1866. And uh, the, the creativity and the skill that the architects and the designers have put in, I don't know if you can see it, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but it's there somewhere. They've poured creativity into this um, station, and it's just fantastic. And I don't know if you heard, I was thinking about blueprints, I was thinking about, there was an antiques roadshow where the Royal Albert Hall, there were like loads and loads of um, technical drawings for before it was built, and there was one that was missing, it's always been missing for years and years, and it turned up on the antiques roadshow, and it was able to be back now in its rightful place. And the, the design and the original drawings are like this window into history, into the, the creativity of the original team that were involved in making this incredible performing arts venue, one of the most amazing in the world. And it would be inconceivable, wouldn't it, that builders would take the plans of architects and either ignore them or change them, because the role of a builder is to take the plans and to turn them into reality under the watchful eye of architects making site visits, ensuring the work is completed just the way they designed it to be. And the reason I tell you all this is just a gentle meander in to um, say that Moses in the Old Testament had an incredible encounter with God on Mount Sinai from where he was given the Ten Commandments, among many other things, including the design of the tabernacle. And all through the chapter of um, Exodus 25, God gives Moses a detailed and specific design for each component part, such as the ark, the table, the lampstand. And we're just going to take the, ta the table for a moment. In Exodus 25, we read this. It says, Make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Also make around it a rim a handbreadth wide and put gold molding on the rim. And at the end of the chapter, God finishes his instructions with these words. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. The designer, the architect, God makes it really crystal clear to Moses and the Israelites that they're not to deviate, they're not to move from this blueprint that he told them 
of how they were to build the tabernacle. And we pick up the story in chapter 40 and the work's been done and the final touches are done and it's finished. And it says, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished. Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What did God, the designer, have in store? Why was it so important that Moses stuck completely to the design? Because it was built for a purpose. It was to be the place the glory of the Lord would dwell. And we're in the middle of a series called Kingdom Dream Chasers. Um, And why is it so important that we chase after God's dreams for our life? Why is it so important that we realize God's design and destiny for our lives? And the answer is simple. That God, the creator, the architect of each of our lives, is the only one who fully knows what we were created for, our place in his story. And God's design is not just limited to individuals' lives. God has plans for his church too, for every single amazing local expression across the globe of the body of Christ. And at Life Vineyard Church, we have been really so blessed by God because he actually gave us an actual dream. Two nights on the bounce, which David will tell you about in a minute, the same dream at the same time, God spoke a blueprint for this church, which is what we're going to explore today. And just like Moses being commanded, you know, to build in full, to build in accordance with the pattern, the design that he's already given, just as we need to do the same with the blueprint, the pattern, the design that God has given us, as we we need to carefully build what God has shown us. Just like the tabernacle, he will fill his church, its ministries, its buildings with his glory, with his presence, his power, and his favor will rest on us and move through the church. So today, Dave and I are going to talk about the dream and why it's so important that we build in accordance with the pattern that God has given us. And whether you've been here like for years and years and years, or whether it's your first morning here or first uh, morning that you are connecting with us on YouTube. Hi, it's fantastic to have you with us. This dream is for all of us, and it's about all of us. So, over to you. Wow. So, um, God was so gracious to us um, when we sought his calling for our lives. Um, We had moved from Newcastle to Nottingham, And we had joined a church called Trent Vineyard, and we were so excited. So we were so looking forward to being part of a church that shared our heart for the lost and the hurting, and a church that was hungry for more of the presence and the kingdom of God. What we didn't expect was that very first Sunday, we would walking to Trent um, as members. We were excited to be members of Trent Vineyard. But straight away, God started to speak about sending us back to start a church, to plant a church in the northeast of England. And when I look back um, to the start of our adventure of planting life in your church, which started 19 years ago, um, on that very first morning we walked into Trent, I would like to share just one insight, just one piece of wisdom, just as a bit of an aside, that I think is just good for us all for us to think about. 
And that is, we need to pursue God, God's leading wholeheartedly. We need to listen to God with our running shoes on. You know, over the years, I've met many, many people who have done this. They have followed Jesus, laid it all down, stepped into whatever God has asked them to do, whatever, wherever God has asked them to go, and they are the most joyous and fulfilled people I have ever met. It's not easy road, and we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks' time, but following God wholeheartedly is the best thing we can spend our lives doing. So what about this dream for life in your church? Well, as Nick said, two nights on the trot, um, I was woke up at two o'clock with a dream. And this dream was of a three-story building in the very center of Newcastle, Tyneside, you know, this region. And it wasn't like the actual city center itself. It kind of was on a hill and it stood above everything and it was visible from, for everybody in the region. And it was three stories. And the ground floor was this incredible, it was almost like, for those of you old enough, Woolworths, where they had all the front doors, I suppose the, the Primark is something similar, or Wilco's. You know, it just had all of the doors, and people were coming from all over the region, and they were walking in through the doors, because they knew that if they came to Life in Your Church, they could find help. So people were coming who were hungry, people were coming who were in need of clothes, people were coming who were lonely who were broken, who maybe had challenging and complex lives, and they would come and they would find the help and the support, friendship, love that they needed just to move forward in life. And it was a hub of activity. It was just wonderful to see. And everyone knew that they could come to the vineyard and get the help that they needed. And that was the ground floor. And then there was the second floor, the, sorry, the first floor. Um, and that was just different again. It was peaceful it was quiet it was full of people praying interceding crying out to God it was 24 7 prayer praying for the church praying for the region praying for our country for our leaders you know just praying and praying interceding for God to act and to move and then we come to the top floor and again this is different it was full of people with their arms raised high, just worshipping Jesus with everything they had, just pouring out their hearts, you know, worshipping, crying out to God, just desperate for his presence. And there was a sense of his presence, a thickness of his presence in the space. And then there was these windows all around. I'm just looking, there's windows at Wall's End, but they were wide open. And, um, and, and, we, and they were just wide open. And, and as people worshipped, as people were filled with the spirit. These waves were going out across the region and touching down. And as they touched down, lives were coming on all over the region. And I remember asking God, what are those? What are the waves and what are those lights? And he said, as people worship my name and I will fill them with my spirit and I'm going to send them out. And the lights coming on were, were as the church were going out into the community, lights were people encountering Jesus and coming to know him for the first time. And it was happening all over the city all over the region and then I woke up and two nights on the trot the same dream and we're told in the scriptures that if we have two prophetic words two dreams that are the same it means that God will surely do it and so we believe that God is surely going to do it and we see around us God is surely doing it but we've only just started and what we want to do for the, the remainder is just to take each floor and just expand it um, a little bit 
and expand, you know, what, what has God actually, is he asking us? What is the blueprint for those different floors? But I just want to start with foundations because foundations are so important. We just recently moved house and the surveyor came and checked all around and asked a lot of questions about foundations because they are so important. They're crucial to any building, aren't they? Any structure and... Um, and they're really crucial for us to build this, this three-story building on this, this dream. So I'm going to very quickly run through five things that we think that God has really impressed on us about what are the five things that we must build as the foundations of this church as we build the rest. And the first one is community. It's impossible to build anything without community. I love the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the, the walls and especially the picture of each member of the community kind of picking up whatever it is that needs doing. You get people with all different sort of um, professions end up kind of building, and they're doing it next to each other, and I love that story. Nehemiah 4 says, each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side as he worked. And, you know, there's that sense of doing this together, every one of us working alongside They all played their part, but they were united around this common dream of seeing Jerusalem return to its glory. You can find that story in the Old Testament if you're not familiar with it. Nobody can build alone, and we can't build the dream if we don't take our place alongside each other and play our part together in community. The second thing is spiritual formation. The second foundation is spiritual formation. The church is to grow up and to become mature, and we are all Calls. We're all actually commanded by Jesus to imitate him, to imitate Christ. And so spiritual formation, spiritual form- formation and maturity is that slow work, deep work of the spirit that we need to slow down to actually engage with scripture and the Holy Spirit because we want to grow up before we grow old. The third thing is training and equipping as a foundation. Ephesians 4 says, um, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The church community is to be a place where followers of Jesus are to be trained and equipped and released for works of service. And the church is to be a space where followers of Jesus grow in their own spiritual formation. And we're doing a lot of work on that as imitators of Christ but also in their skill and confidence and courage to influence and lead others, ushering in the kingdom and introducing people to Jesus. So at Life Vineyard, we want to build community, support people as they grow in in spiritual formation, that deep, slow, life-changing, transformative work, and equip everyone for works of service. Fourthly, multiplication. We want to be a church, or we are a church that multiplies, that multiplies ministries, communities, that carries a culture and an expectation that God's kingdom is coming, that God's kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. And the church will grow, new opportunities will arise, and we'll be able to step into them as we have done and will continue. We've seen it with communities, with compassion ministries. Um, We've seen it with leaders emerging, even during the pandemic, and taking their place. New life groups starting and about to start. New songs being birthed. Children stepping out in faith. Growth that leads to multiplication is foundational to us as a church. 
Hope you're still with me. And finally, uh, the final thing is generosity. We want to be radically generous. Jesus gave absolutely everything, didn't he, for us. And as we become mature imitators of Jesus, we will become radically generous. It's, it's what happens the more we become like Christ. And what do we mean by radical? Well, simply generous in a way that is just different to our wider community. A couple of weeks ago, um, someone was here at church and was telling me that, I hadn't seen it, that there was a news article on uh, Look North of a family in Wall's End who were refugees, had been uh, housed here, and somebody or some people had smashed their windows in. And um, this person came to church that morning and was telling me about it. I hadn't seen it. And uh, they said that after they'd finished here, they were going off, because the street had been named on the news, apparently, so they were going to look for the house that clearly got damaged. And they had with them some money to give to the family to go buy toys and some flowers. And I was just like, oh, I love it. I love that overflow of just the expression of generosity. There's so much I could say. Jesus spoke a lot about money and about wealth. Um, and it's not like a nice addition to living faith. It's actually an overflow of living and growing faith as disciples in our actions that just overflow and come from us. Over the years, we have seen, really, we have seen radical generosity at Life in Your Church. So many people have given sacrificially to something we did called Making Room for More. You might be new and you might have missed that, but a lot of people gave. Um, and little did we know, people gave so that we could actually buy this space so that we could welcome and make room for more. And how could we have known how important having a base would be uh, this year where we could kind of set up and, and live stream from and all the rest of it? Generosity welled up last Christmas that enabled us to reach over 6,500 pupils in schools in the region with the true Christmas story. When we did Light Up Christmas, if you remember that. It feels like it was a lifetime ago, but it was only Christmas. Um, all the generosity that has stirred up and enabled us to play our part in serving and feeding the city through the pandemic. And now we continue to look at what support looks like beyond lockdown. And John Wimber once said, ministry costs money. And uh, hopefully you might have received the annual report that we sent out just this last week. It's such a celebration of what God has done in us and through us this past um, financial year. If you haven't seen it, it's on our website, but also um, just ask us and we'll get the office to email one out. But here's a stat. Normally David has the complete monopoly on statistics, but I've got one to share with you. I did write that statistic into the talk, though, <laughs> just to confirm. Oh. But I get to say it, okay. But it's, it's actually, it's a bit of a sad one. So here it is. 50, well, it's good and it's sad at the same time. 53% of people in the Life Vineyard Church community gave 98% of regular giving. 53% gave 98% of the regular giving. And I would love you, we would love to invite you, if you are part of that 47% who just hasn't got round to sorting out giving yet regularly to the church, could you please consider joining us in that adventure of generosity? 
And we want to invite you to, to give, to tithe. If you already tithe, have a think, have a pray. Maybe you can give beyond what you have been doing already. Um, give to support life projects as they evolve, as they grow, and hopefully multiply to meet the needs of the region moving forward at this time. So the foundations are community, spiritual formation, equipping and training, multiplication, and radical generosity. So what about these different floors? If that's the foundation we are building on, what about those three floors that I spoke about in the dream? Well, let's start at the bottom. You see, the dream that God gave us starts with mission, compassion, and it culminates on the top floor with people being full of the Holy Spirit and being sent out to extend the kingdom. You know, acts of compassion, however, are absolutely pivotal to the culture of this church. You know, we are called to be Jesus' hands and feet, to demonstrate his love and mercy in practical ways across our region. You know, when we planted life in your church in 2006, there was probably six of us and then we grew to 15, 20 people. And all of us just got involved in demonstrating love and compassion through practical acts of kindness and service. You know, we painted hostels, we tidied gardens, we gave away all sorts of things, we picked up litter. It then evolved into storehouse and then the pantry. And for the last 16 months, we have stepped into other spaces to be Jesus' hand and feet. You know, what has been wonderful is that our heart of compassion and our experience in practically doing the stuff has positioned us during this pandemic to help lead the response of the local church in Newcastle and beyond. And we have been able to inspire and facilitate other churches to get involved too. Here's a few stats just from this last year or so. You can read more, as we said, in the annual report. The biker pantry, 31,000 items of food and household goods supplied. 13,000 pounds worth of saving for those families and those individuals that are members of the pantry. The food bank has served 11,000 people, given away 4,200 parcels. And then, of course, grass boots. We can't forget grass boots. We launched that in the midst of the pandemic. And already, 50 families have been supported. 120 pairs of shoes, football boots, trainers have been given away. And that's just the start. Watch this space. There's some really exciting things evolving. You know, what an amazing privilege it is to serve people in need. Of course, it's not just organized life in your church activities. We heard last week about the recruitment junction has just placed its 50th ex-offender into work. How amazing is that? You know, the dream for life in your church is that all of us as a church in our day-to-day lives would partner with Jesus and each other in demonstrating his love and compassion through practical acts of kindness and service. Now, as we look ahead, we are inviting you to give beyond your tithe, as Nicola has just said, because we believe we need to step into the space of compassion, of service to a city and a region that is going to be hurting and in need in the years to come. So we'd love you to give beyond. Our prayer is for £1,000 a month that will be set aside through additional giving that can go into our life projects. That is our prayer. And we all get to potentially be part of the answer to that prayer.
We're also going to plan some one-off life projects in the coming term. And we would love everyone to get involved. And there'll be different types of projects, different things you can get involved in. But wouldn't it be amazing if all of us play our part in serving and demonstrating kindness and compassion to our region? The next floor, the first floor. It has been so wonderful to see people join this Zoom call on a Monday morning between 7 and 8 to pray. We started it at the beginning of the pandemic as we just recognized that we needed to step up our prayer. You know, when we pray for the world, we pray for our country, we pray for our leaders, we pray for our community, we pray for the church, we pray for individuals, we intercede, we cry out for God's intervention. Now, hopefully you've been reading our prayer email each week that's been going out. If you haven't received it, then maybe you haven't left your details, we'd love for you to be involved in that. So just go online, like leave your details. If you're here in person or at Marley Hill, then you can fill in one of the contact forms and we can um, just keep you in the loop. Because we'd love everyone to join us in praying for, for those things. You know, the dream showed us that we are to be a praying church. The goal is to be a 24-7 church that prays every day, all day. To be a church, as Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians, I've said it just about, it's always a hard word for me to say, <laughs> and 5, 16 to 18 that says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and for us. We need to pray unceasingly. That's the dream. That's our, ty that our times of corporate prayer would, would grow. The times we set aside as individuals, life groups, with friends to pray would grow because we know that this promise is true. Matthew seven eleven. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, in one sense, the middle floor is the simplest of the floors, but it is crucial to see in the dream become a reality. There is a reason why it's at the middle of the dream. Prayer is central to everything. And so we come to the top floor. You know, what sets apart the body of Christ, a local expression of his church, from every other organization on the planet? Well, the simple answer is it's his presence. It's his presence. God told Moses to build the tabernacle. And when he did, the presence, the glory of God filled it. We are the temple. If you like, we are the equivalent to the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit rests in us and all around us as we gather together to worship. Jeff has written an absolutely beautiful song called Throne Room. If you want to have a listen to it, he sang it as he led worship last week at Revive. And this is what the first verse says. In a world so full of shadows that try and hide us from the sun, where we're so blinded by distractions, with our minds so overrun, O oh Lord, we're sorry that we've wandered from the things you've called us to. We're so hungry for your presence. Let's turn the glory back to you. You know, this verse captures the heart and passion of the top floor of the dream. A people, a church that are hungry, desperate for God's presence, that come repentant, humble, giving God the glory and seeking to once again be obedient 
obediently follow, to be obedient to the calling he has placed on our lives and on us as a church. When Jesus' church comes like this, comes with humility and desperation in worship, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, fills the place and fills his people. You know, with arms raised high and hearts bowed low, we are to be a people who personify wholehearted worship, that lay it all down, every last bit of our lives before Jesus. You know, in an atmosphere of worship, in an atmosphere of God's presence, we will see signs, wonders, and miracles. We will see people healed. The prophetic will become normal, and demonic influence will be sent packing, and people will be set free. We will all get, we all, all of us, every one of us, get to build this floor of the dream. Not by what we do, but rather by how we approach the throne room of God. This floor is as far removed from the world of consumerism as you can imagine. Because every person came not because of what they wanted or what they could get, but rather because they wanted to give it all back to Jesus. But the dream doesn't end with us gathered. It actually ends with us scattered. It ends with us scattered Monday to Saturday across our region full of the Spirit, confident and courageous in ushering in the kingdom in our everyday lives. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the promise and this is the call. We will receive the Holy Spirit and we are to go and be witnesses. That's the top floor. We gather together in the presence of God. We are filled with his spirit and we are sent all over the place. The dream God gave us, the promise he has spoken over this church, is that we will see many, many people come to know Jesus for the first time. Lights will come on all over our region as people encounter Jesus through the, obedient, through the obedience and courage of members of this church being sent out to do the things of the kingdom. We are to build in accordance with the pattern God has given us in the kingdom dream he revealed before life in your church even existed. If you are new this morning, this is our dream. If this is the church family that God is grafting you into, we pray that something of this just resonates and it's your dream too. Um, Isaiah 46, God says, What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. We want to listen to the voice of God with our running shoes on, people. Um, we want to be obedient to the scriptures. We want to be um, listening to God's spirit in the context of our, our individual dreams, but also for us as a church and um, as as couples maybe, as friends, as families, he promises that he is going to do it. So that dream is an invitation, it's a promise, and we just, we're going to worship now, we're going to come and approach that throne room in worship and just seek God, um, yeah, just to seek God. So if you are at Marley Hill or you're here, um, I want to invite you, if you would like to, to stand, we're going to worship, Tim's going to... Lead us, and are you going to pray? Yeah. Okay, go for it.
So, Father God, I just thank you so much for what you showed us. I thank you so much for the dream that you didn't leave us to kind of wander. You told us exactly what it is you want us to do, how you want to build the pattern, the design, the blueprint for this church. And so, Lord, we once again commit that we will set aside the things that are not of you and we will build with consistency and passion and determination the dream that you showed us for this region. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to fill this space, to fill Marley Hill, to fill every household, for every home that, where people are listening, every home where a member of Life in Yard Church is present, to fill it with your spirit, that your presence would fall, your presence would fill us, you would inspire us, challenge us, change us, humble us, that we might be so full of your spirit, so overflowing with you. We would imitate you in every bit of our lives, that we would be a people who go, that bring transformation and hope and life and light and your kingdom wherever we are. Lord, let us see people come to know you. Let us see people set free. Let us see your kingdom come. So as we stand now, as we gather to worship, as we worship in our own homes, would your presence fill that space? Would the top floor of that building that you showed us be, be, be real today as we come to worship? got relatives off and uh, we were looking at a picture and uh, he said to me that just reminds me of a waterfall and I just said to maybe this morning that that if you are coming to this time of worship now and you're just really dry and uh, the Lord would say to you you know there is a, a, like a waterfall from heaven of his presence of his life he just wants to lavish on you bring to you if you're thirsty come there's living water for you this morning Come home.